This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Joel Florek. Joel began investing in early 2015. His first property was a small four unit that he lived in and remodeled himself. Over the next three years, he worked to build a portfolio of 31 units, utilizing a series of creative financing structures and putting in a lot of sweat equity. In 2019, he formed JFH Capital to allow investors an opportunity to invest alongside him and provide a way to scale to larger opportunities. To date, JFH Capital has purchased more than 200 multifamily units and has uh, had five successful exits with an average increase in asset value of 57%. In 2021, JFH Capital expanded its operations to include the acquisitions of RV parks and campgrounds through the formation of an RV park fund. Welcome, Joel. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, really happy to be here, Matt. Thank you so much. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like else you'd like the audience to know about yourself? Uh, father of three, husband, uh, live on a small little 28-acre uh, Kind of hobby farm that uh, we moved to the last year. So we got the cows and chickens running around outside of my uh, home office here. Uh, but a lover of the outdoors, hiking, camping, sailing. Uh, yeah, I like uh, following you on social media and seeing the the pictures of your your travels around. So that's cool. Uh, so you got started in 2015. And uh, tell me about this four unit property that you got. Yeah, Uh so I graduated uh, from college, and it was actually the uh, the day before I walked, I finally got my offer letter for my job that uh, I had gone and, and had been interviewing for. During those interviews, I had been touring two to four unit apartment buildings uh, in that particular town. The idea being, hey, when I start my first job... I ought to start my investing career as well. I knew going into or, or leaving college for that matter, that one of the key ways I wanted to build my wealth was through real estate. And, and the key part there is building wealth. Wasn't really concerned about making quick cash or anything like that. It was, you know, what is my investing strategy to uh, to build wealth and and you know, hopefully do something pretty cool. At that time, it was for myself, but knowing you know, I have a goal of having a family someday, right? So fortunately, we, uh, uh, yeah, ended up finding this uh, this four unit building that needed some love, hadn't been updated since the, uh, the 70s, and uh, was very fortunate that my parents were willing to lend me $25,000, uh, 8% interest rate, that was my down payment. I got a bank to finance the rest of it. So as soon as I got that offer letter, put in, uh, you know, put in my offer then pretty much the next day and more or less the, the rest is history from there. I, I was able to move in right away when I started my job. I actually closed on the property about a month after I had already moved into it and renovated the other units at night as well as uh, the one that I was living in you know, nights and weekends. And then about 10 months later, had an opportunity to uh, put together the, the purchase of a 16 unit apartment building in that same town. Well, fantastic. That's uh, certainly an early start and a great time to get started in real estate. Um, and then uh, have you continued with those kind of smaller multifamily, the, you know, 
four to 15 unit uh, range? Yeah, so that was uh, pretty much the way I, I kept building my portfolio for the next uh, probably three, four years, if you will, just trying to put together whatever deal I could, bought a three unit, another eight unit, that 16 unit as well, and utilize seller second position notes, uh, racked up money on 0% interest credit cards, so that way I could stash the cash and be able to use that in a transaction pretty much whatever way I could figure out to buy more uh, long-term rental units, I, I did it. And that went away. You know, eventually you end up in a situation where uh, particularly if you look at, you know, 18, 2019, 2020, the real estate market was, you know, really hot in those years. So uh, it became harder and harder for somebody who needed to creatively finance deals to get things done uh, within the markets I was in. And, and I wasn't willing, wasn't interested in buying single family and duplexes and triplex. I, I was trying to graduate up, if you will, and get to larger assets, have a little better return on my time for the deals that I was doing. I've always been the kind of person who would rather do one or two deals a year than do 20 deals a year. There's nothing wrong with doing 20 deals a year. I just don't have an interest in doing that. I prefer to try and have my pace of life be a little uh, slower, more methodical, uh, not feel like I'm constantly chasing my tail, if you will. Uh, I, I got buddies that love it. They love the deals. <laughs> They're constantly buying, selling, closing, moving it's crazy and they love it and good for them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it eventually got to the point though, where I said, Hey, if, if I'm going to keep trying to grow and get into anything larger, I'm going to need to bring other people along with me. So that's when I opened the door for, uh, doing my first syndication, uh, the 15 unit in Chesterton, uh, Indiana brought in a group of, uh, 12 investors and they were all, uh, you know, smaller investments, anywhere from five to uh, $30,000. And that really kind of started the, uh, you know, the, the path to where my business is now today and have uh, about 150 apartments currently in the portfolio. We manage those in-house with my property management team, as well as now uh, we have uh, a 220 site campground in uh, Northern Michigan, which is a pretty cool addition to our portfolio. And we are in the process of uh, getting ready to break ground, hopefully in a couple months on our first development, uh, Ground Up Multifamily. Ooh, fantastic. So uh, tell me, why are you, you know, focused on multifamily and RV parks right now? Yeah, ultimately, as I kind of mentioned, you know, I, I prefer to do just a few transactions a year. And with that, uh, I rely on, you know, my, I hate to say passive income because I'm the active investor in this particular case, but, you know, I, I rely on the cash flow out of each of the properties to support mine and, and my family's lifestyle. So ultimately the asset classes that I've chosen and the particular properties that I've chosen are the ones that I feel are going to be resilient over time in producing 
that consistent cash flow. So that way, I, I know the lifestyle that I'm able to build for my family isn't taken away uh, on you know the whims of of you know market shifts or changes or the economy, et cetera. Of course, there will be variations. Um, but, uh, you know, thus far the results have, uh, have been pretty wonderful for us. Right. And then how do you find these deals? Yeah, it's whenever I get that question, I typically laugh because what I have found in my experience is, is no one single source has been a, a silver bullet. You know, some deals have been actively on the market. And, and when I say on the market, I'm talking, you know, MLS, uh, you know, some local realtor who's selling it. Now, those particular deals have been smaller, three, a three unit, an eight unit, four unit that I bought, you know, via the MLS. Um, uh, a few deals have been pocket listings from brokers. There's a 48 unit complex that I have, and uh, that was a pocket listing from a broker you had a client who, you know, didn't want to actively put the market, uh, put the property out on the market advertised to the world. So he wanted this particular broker just to go shop it to his close contacts. So having that good relationship with that broker meant that I was one of the first phone calls that he got. Uh, and then, you know, a few deals have been direct to seller relationships that either I already had with with people that I established who I knew owned apartment complexes in the area um, or referrals through, uh, in one case, my carpet installer referred me over to an owner of a 16 unit who uh, was interested in selling. So, you know, really they've come from every single direction and uh, no, no one single source. So the the strategy, I guess, that I have had is make sure people know within my network and within my region that I'm I'm focused on. Make sure they know specifically who I am, what I'm looking for, and when opportunities come my way, provide clear, succinct uh, feedback and quick feedback on that particular opportunity. So that way they have a better idea of what is or is not of interest for me moving forward. And then on the syndication side, are you part of a team or a one-man shop? Uh, so, you know, I, I would say generally speaking, um, you know, one-man shop, I, I, I don't know if that term quite makes sense, right? Because ultimately, you know, there there is a large group of people that all come together to be able to put these things, you know, in place, right? Between the attorneys, the CPAs, um, on a deal by deal uh, deal by deal basis, I have different partners that have come together to help support in certain roles that were necessary to get that deal done. I don't have a particular partner who, you know, is for sure going to be by my side, uh, a part of every syndication moving forward, at least not at this time kind of thing. So um, ultimately, yeah, it's, it's me sitting up in my office. I have my property management team that I rely on. And, you know, I, I have my support network of professionals that help make sure that these things go smoothly 
we use the right software tools to make sure that the process uh, is managed well and um, cross our T's, dot our I's kind of thing. So ho hopefully that provides a, a little bit of, of clarity. Yeah. So when you do partner up with people, what tends to be your role as part of that? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, again, it's, it's a deal by deal basis. So, um, you know, in, in every transaction, there's most certainly capital requirements that are, are going to be needed uh, based on the geographic area. Uh, a certain partner may uh, have, you know, additional insights or, or help. Um, in finding that deal, helping to put together some of the negotiation, um, you know, consulting through various parts of the project, renovations, et cetera. So uh, depending on what the needs are of the deal, uh, there are certain individuals that I feel may be better suited to uh, provide a, a, a strong supporting role to help make sure that that transaction both goes well out of the gate and in, in getting it to the closing table, but then also moving forward. All right. And then uh, tell me about this development deal that you're working on. Yeah. So that's then uh, the probably the bulk of my work here in 2023 so far. Uh, you know, from the earliest of ages, I've always been fascinated with uh, construction you know, real estate's always been something that interests me. I, I love staring at pieces of property and buildings. And um, and then we get to those construction sites and you get to see some some vision coming to fruition. I think that that's pretty darn cool. Uh, fast forward, as I've developed as, as a professional, uh, I've noticed a few things. Part of it, I'm going to step back to my upbringing in small town America. Grew up in Marquette, Michigan, you know, town of 20, 30,000 people, way up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I think the entire UP only has like 30 or 300,000 people, some, something like that. And it's a two hour by six hour, you know, swath of land uh, driving time wise, we, we measure distance and in, in time to get from, you know, one place to another. But in growing up in a small town, I, I've naturally felt very comfortable investing in smaller markets. Uh, I, I currently don't have any properties that are, you know, in a, in within a major MSA and in my experience of investing in these smaller towns, I've noticed uh, in each case, there's typically always been a very strong demand for housing, particularly apartments. However, there's been a lack of developers and it's been puzzling, right? If everything is 100% occupied, well, why isn't anyone building? And there's quite a few different things that I'd be more than happy to dive into further, um, but through all of that experience, I've said, you know, one day I, I would like to help try and solve this problem in helping some of these communities that have clear demand for people wanting to live there to help provide housing in those communities so that people can choose that particular community as their place to call home. Uh, so I've worked really hard to try and val evaluate what are the different construction methods that exist today? What are the cost structures, uh, schedules associated 
with those different methods of construction and coming up with what I feel is a particularly great solution to balance all of that and achieve the goal of of building new construction in these communities, many of which see very little uh, or, or haven't seen much construction on the multifamily front, in some cases for decades. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. Uh, ultimately, the, the path that we're going down is modular construction, volumetric modular construction. So the primary structures, the wood-framed portion of the structure, your floor, your walls, your roof, all your drywall, uh, your bedrooms, your bathrooms, your kitchens, all of that stuff is is built in a factory. It's set, uh, the module is set on a, uh, a, a, on a trailer that, is hauled behind a truck and shipped down the road. And then we get a big old crane and, and pick that thing up and we drop it onto what will be a crawl space foundation to make these structures work right. Connect all your plumbing fittings and HVAC and electrical underneath. And boom, you, you have a structure that can be built in easily half the time of a typical uh, you know, construction process, a site built construction process, you know, we can achieve the same product in, in half the time, uh, which as you certainly understand, the faster we can bring product to market in a construction cycle, you know, the sooner we can start bringing rents in and getting a return on our investments. So that alone is, is a major driver of, of the success of that model. And then particularly when you look at smaller towns and, and you, uh, take into consideration some of the labor challenges that you can get with trying to do larger projects. This help, helps to alleviate that particular problem as well. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I mean, you're finding opportunity where other people may be looking it over. Uh, you know, whether this modular housing, I think we're going to see a lot more of this in the coming years, you know, that and like 3D printed buildings as well. But uh you know, another opportunity I just thought of, like you could consider uh, converting office space there into uh, residential. Yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely uh, definitely a lot of interesting paths to to go down, and certain communities, certain opportunities may may make more sense than others. Uh, overall, the commercial side of uh, volumetric modular construction uh, has more than tripled in just the last eight years. So the the market is definitely growing in seeing this as a strong solution. Uh, however, most of the market, and I've heard stats, you know, 90, 95%, I know um, the particular manufacturer we're working with, uh, we're one of their very, very few projects that they're doing multifamily with because this industry is primarily used for single family new construction. And it has been for the last, you know, 50, 60 years in, you know, many of these communities. So it's, it's a long proven uh, way of doing construction that for one reason or another has, has not been adopted um, and certainly looked into, you know, understanding a lot of those reasons, but um, we could talk for hours uh, on those subjects for sure.
in uh, the syndications that you've done, what sort of returns have you been able to provide uh, to your passive investors? Yeah, typically, whenever I'm looking at a deal, uh, I'm generally trying to target a uh, a cash on cash return uh, in the range of five to ten percent. Um, typically, it's going to be five to seven percent over the first handful of years, uh, and then hopefully, you know, growing from there as we prove out the property. Uh, if we're going to evaluate a three to five year hold. Our goal is generally in the range of a 16 to 20% IRR for our investors. Um, however, one of the goals that I have is building a portfolio over the long term. So again, that idea of, of being able to build generational wealth, monthly cash flow coming in uh, that I can depend on for many decades. I, I just turned 30. Uh, I've been doing this for the last eight years. Uh, I, have, I have a lot of decades ahead of me yet. So uh, one of the things that I don't want to pigeon my hold myself into is uh, getting a little excited about buying and selling and, and quickly cashing out and trying to structure deals in a way that allow uh, both myself and investors to get involved in a transaction, see an initial cash flow, uh, hopefully get their originally invested capital out of the deal within a three to five year period, and allow us all to continue to participate in that opportunity for the extended period of time, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years, and, and really build an exciting portfolio that can become uh, uh, just a wonderful part of of you know all of our lives. A story that really it it sits at my heart when I'm thinking about you know kind of the why I do this. You know, of course, there's my family, but one of my investors uh, we sat down years back and we talked about what his investing goals were, and he talked about one, three, five, $1,000 a month, $3,000 a month, $5,000 a month. He said, Joel, uh, I would like to, you know, first work on achieving a thousand dollars a month in cash flow, you know, then 3000, then 5,000, you know, what is it going to take for us to get there? And we sketched out a plan on, you know, realistically how much money he's going to have to invest. And, uh, you know, based on his income and assets and what have you, uh, how long it might take us to be able to build that portfolio. But those numbers had real impact in his life. He said, you know, first off, it's going to help me be able to pay all my property taxes on my home and, you know, pay my utilities. And and I know my house is taken care of. And then, oh, by the way, these other things are going to be taken care of. And then, oh, when I you know, hit that $5,000 a month goal in cash flow off of passively investing along with my other investments, you know, hey, I, I'm gonna not have to be in corporate America and and have to worry about uh, answering to these organizations that have just been a huge frustration in my life. And we're well on the way to being able to achieve that for him through all the deals deals that that we've done together. And that's just really cool. Uh, that's something that that definitely motivates me because you know. I, I, I've been hitting the marks on the goals that I've set for my family, but to know that through the work 
that myself and my partners are doing that we're able to to have results work in the way it's intended for our passive investors that that's awesome and and that's something that that's really special and uh makes me want to try and figure out hey how, how do we set more opportunities up moving forward and like i say not just opportunities that hey let's go make a quick buck for you know over the next 3 years 5 years and turn and burn things let's try to create a really cool portfolio that uh, can positively impact all of our families for for many decades to come. Excellent. So for our uh, passive investors out there, how can they determine whether or not you are a good match for them to put their capital in? Yeah. So, you know, the story that I just kind of mentioned and uh, spoke about, I, I have a goal of building a longer term portfolio. I have structured deals that have shorter term, you know, kind of get in, get out type of situation. But moving forward, my goal is to try and put together deals that allow us to all participate in deals over a longer term. So, you know, if if you're someone who's looking to maximize your overall return and kind of get in, get out of deals, recycle it, you know, recycle your capital, move on, move forward, I'm probably not your guy for you. But if you are interested in investing in, you know, with an operator who's trying to build a long-term portfolio, build an organization around that portfolio, well, ultimately that's what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm trying to build, you know, generational wealth for my family, for my partners. And the way that you do that, if if you you know, when I first decided to go into multifamily, I looked out at the world of real estate investors and I said, who is living the kind of life that I want to live? And there was a particular family that had this, this, you know, portfolio of properties. There's over 400 units in, in my hometown. Uh, and they, they were always out in the, in the community. They were volunteering. They went on family vacations they didn't seem like they were in this, you know, rush of life and this, you know, panic mode and running from crisis to crisis like so many business owners often do. And I was like, you know, that's that's pretty darn cool. And if you look at families like that and you you, you get it when you get a chance to look under the hood, you can see that, you know, they're making a million dollars plus in some cases in in annual cash flow off these properties they have net worths of uh you know 10 20 30 50 100 million dollars from these assets that they have some families you know far more than that right that's that's pretty cool uh and i think pretty darn special given the quality of life that they're able to have along the way and not constantly be hopping in airplanes and traveling from meeting to meeting and, you know, working late and, you know, hundred hour work weeks. It's like, I like spending time with my kids. You know, I like going on the boat with them and seeing the kids back on the tube and, you know, going for walks on the beach and hopping in the RV and and doing a, a trip around the country to national parks. That's, that's what life for me is is what I want. So I got to make sure I build a portfolio that uh, that fits that. I love it. And uh, what's the problem that you've encountered with a real estate investment and how is it handled? Oh, you know, <laughs> uh, as, as you sure well know, 
you know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that come at you. Um, you know, I think the most important thing in any problem is to, you know, understand, is it a problem that can truly be solved by, you know, more or less writing a check, uh, take an example of a furnace, right? You got a property that have furnaces that are just going bad. You're dealing with, you know, these issues all the time. Well, that's a problem that you can just go write a check and get a bunch of your furnaces replaced. You get all new equipment in there. You get it installed right. And it's done. The problem goes away. Like it's it's finished, right? But then there are problems which you cannot necessarily solve. A property that I purchased, uh, purchased two properties on a block. Uh, combined, it was 26 units. There was another property owner that was actually in the middle though. And the goal was always to try and buy from him as well and take this whole block that originally had three owners, buy up all the properties, clean up the entire block and, and really make it a, a respectable property for that class of tenant. And unfortunately, that property owner just wasn't willing to sell tried and tried and tried and and there was no way of getting through to him he just wasn't didn't have any motivation to sell it it honestly wasn't a money thing it was a pride thing he he loved taking care of that property frankly no matter how terrible he managed that property it it was his pride and joy uh well that was a problem i could not solve anymore and, and maybe with time eventually could have, you know, hit a moment where he was ready, but I could not turn that block into what it could be without owning that. So my answer to that solution was, okay, I've done what I could with the properties I had, put money into them, cleaned them up, made those respectable, and it was time to sell and move on. Maybe the next guy can uh, make that project work out the way that I certainly hoped it could. Um but it, it wasn't my battle to fight anymore. There, you know, more or less, it was not a, a write a check and move on kind of problem. So, um, yeah, I think just recognizing, you know, the what is the path to to solving that problem, make a decision and just moving forward, get it done. That sounds like uh, playing Monopoly with my siblings, like uh, you know, trying trying to get a Monopoly on a color and like, no, they're not going to sell the one thing that they own on that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's great. Right. It just, it, it could be a pride thing and okay. Just got to move on and, you know, all right. Not, not stress about that. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for a speed round? Let's do it. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? Uh, I love when I get that monthly notification from uh, my invest next account on the dividend that's, that's coming through to my personal account. That's pretty cool. That, that was always the goal. And I, I just, I love that, that part of, uh, I love it. You know, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Excellent. What do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Oh, geez. Uh, just keep going. You'll, you'll figure it out over time. I, I, I thought early on I had to have all the answers and, and know so much, I knew next to nothing compared to what I know now. And that is okay. Um, 
yeah, just, just persevere and, and keep moving on and, and know that you're going to grow at your own pace, what's happening with your peers around you and how fast they're growing. It doesn't matter to you. You're playing your own game. Just, just focus on your own personal growth and, you know, grow your portfolio as, you know, as your skill set and, and ambitions, uh, you know, allow. Great advice. And what's a book that you can recommend to other investors? Built to Sell. Built yeah. to Sell. Okay. Built, built to Sell. It's been been a, been a wonderful book. Read it quite a number of times. Uh, I think it applies to, you know, I think it's an advertising agency in the book, but uh, most certainly it can apply to real estate. Think about it with my RV Parks property management company. Um, try to implement those ideas from that book in all aspects of my business. And, and that has helped tremendously. Great. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Yeah, shoot me an email, joel at jfhcapital.com. You can check out our website, jfhcapital.com. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Send me, you know, text message, 906-458-8356. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? No, I, I think uh, it's been a wonderful call. Really appreciate what you're doing here with the podcast. And thank you so much for having me on today. All right. Well, thank you, Joel. And have a great rest of your day. You as well. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.